Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. That's right. Listen, a little later in the show, my man, Mr. Mark DeGrucci. He literally is the one of the most sought-after graphic artists in pro wrestling today. I mean, everybody wants to use his stuff. Really, really cool guy. We have an incredible conversation. You know, he's a genius. Whether he knows it or not, he's a genius. So it's a real fun, informative, personal conversation there, exclusive there, with Mr. Mark DeGrucci. We're going to get into that. But before that, I want to share my thoughts on SummerSlam. You know, we just had SummerSlam weekend, and overall, I'm going to tell you right now, I give the entire weekend a B minus. That's a B minus, right? I thought it was really cool that NXT TakeOver happened on Sunday, and SummerSlam itself happened on a Saturday. So they they flipped the two. The big event happened on the Saturday, which was just, it was awesome. That was great. I appreciated that. You know, one of the reasons why they did that is because they were filming in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, you know, in Vegas, they're three hours ahead of, say, folks where I'm at here in Boston. So, excuse me, three hours behind, three hours behind. So even though the event, let's say it ended around 1130, that's only 830 in Las Vegas. So there's still time to party, go out, have a good time, what have you. But I just preferred that. You know, most people, they're going to stay up late on a Saturday. Staying up late on a Sunday is kind of tough because you have work the next day or school or whatever. So I really enjoyed that. Um, The NXT card did not look good on paper, but the execution, the actual action was fantastic, which I did appreciate. You know, and even though I didn't like the fact that Dakota Kai she lost to Gonzalez there. So Gonzalez retained the championship. I did appreciate the fact that Aja, ref Aja, she refed throughout the card, but she also refed the main event, which I thought was was really cool. Um, so overall, you know, just a really good event there with NXT. Switching over to SummerSlam itself, it was fantastic. You know, let me let me just go over a couple of highlights. First of all, I loved the Cena and Roman Reigns match. I love the fact that Brock Lesnar came back and it was just a huge pop for that. Over 51,000 fans popping for that. The biggest pop of the, of the weekend. Uh, it actually was kind of tied because Becky Lynch came back as well. And she got a huge pop as well. You know, 51,000 people. Nothing beats that. There's no other wrestling show that was happening that beat that. Um, So that was cool. That was really cool. Charlotte Flair winning the championship back from Nikki Cross. I don't know about that, but it was a good match. So that was cool. That was cool. So there were some things that I liked about that. I thought overall that was a solid, solid SummerSlam card. And it looked pretty good on paper as well. But I got to tell you... (laughs) There are two things in particular that I am just not a fan of. Two things in particular I thought was very ridiculous as it relates to SummerSlam weekend. 
number one, Becky Lynch comes in. Carmella somehow is in the mix because keep in mind, Sasha Banks, she's she's missing. Something's going on. She wasn't able to compete. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to talk about health. I'm not going to talk about anything like that. It's none of our business at this point. We will find out what happens when it's time. So for now, just, you know, we hope we wish Sasha Banks well. That's what I'll say to that. But uh, Carmella came out and then Becky Lynch comes out. And this is all while Bianca Belair, the champion, is standing in the ring. Becky beats up Carmella like she's a sack of potatoes, jumps back in the ring and challenges Bianca to a match right then and there. Bianca hesitates but accepts the match. And then Becky hits her unexpectedly, does a move to her, and wins the championship. Now, let me tell you something. It doesn't bother me that Bianca Belair is no longer the champion for SmackDown. You had to get the belt off of her at some point. Uh, you, you can refresh her storyline. I am interested in her being a little meaner, possibly being a tweener or a badass heel, beating people up, messing people up. She could be the Brock Lesnar of the, of the women's division by far. So I wasn't upset about her losing. It's the way that she lost. And I tried to give the WWE the benefit of the doubt. I was like, you know what? Let me wait until Friday and see what they do with Bianca going forward before I lay into these folks about this ridiculous two moves and Becky wins in a matter of seconds. But, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I realized there's no way to get out of this. Bianca Belair is not getting that championship back anytime soon because that wouldn't make sense. Becky's going to hold that belt for a while. She might even hold it for the rest of the year. She might even hold it going into WrestleMania. So you just you just buried Bianca is what you did. And, you know, there's a story out there of Vince McMahon saying to Ric Flair, every time you take two steps forward, you do something to mess it all up. Well, Vince, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, my good friend, happy birthday. You just had a birthday a couple days ago. Every time you take leaps ahead, when it comes to diversity and inclusion and doing the right thing, you mess it all up. You could have beaten Bianca and that would not have been a problem. But the fact that you destroyed her, you had little old Becky, who looks smaller than she did when she was last seen, by the way. And Bianca is this, this specimen. You have Becky Lynch, two moves, a couple seconds, and then it's over. You buried her. Because you know that Bianca is not going to get the belt back anytime soon. You know that you and your writers are not going to do that. You're not going to play hot potato with that championship. So you buried her. That's what you did. You buried her. And what did Bianca do to deserve that? Think about this. She's been a, a model citizen for that company. She's been making appearances all over the place. She's been growing your audience in certain demographics that matter, especially as it relates to people who are into the, the whole hip-hop culture, regardless of their race, sex, gender, what have you, she captures them all. She continues to score very high with children and with adults. She, she got muscles. She's gorgeous. She is articulate. She is the total package, right? She can get it done in the ring. She can flip. She can slam. She can do it all. And you have the audacity to destroy her in two moves and take that belt off of her. It's a disgrace. 
It's a disgrace. And, you know, anyone that listens to this show, and this show has been around for over five years, right? You folks know, anyone who knows me personally, I'm not one that swears often. It's just not something that I do. One of the reasons why is because when you work in public, especially around people, whether it be in private industry or whether it be in government, media, you're you're going to say things naturally, right? There are things that are just going to come out of your mouth naturally because it's part of your diction. It's part of your conversation. So if you're swearing all the damn time, then you're going to swear at times when you don't you don't intend to. And it's going to be pretty inappropriate. So because of that, I just I'm careful and I, I don't swear too often, as you all know. In fact, most people, they don't they assume I don't swear at all, which is not the truth. You know, I, I, things do come out of my mouth at times, but it's it's not common compared to most people for sure. And on this show, I've only sworn twice on this show in the five year history. But this is going to be time number three, because what you did to Bianca Belair, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, my good friend, was nothing but pure fuckery. That's what it was. It was fuckery. You destroyed this great character that you built up in a matter of seconds. And you took a ceremonial dump on everybody who put that young lady over to get her to the point where she's actually becoming a true superstar for that company. It was fuckery. And I'm ashamed of of the whole thing because it was unnecessary. Every time you take leaps ahead, you do something to mess it up, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And I know you're going to make your money. And I know that you're going to continue to be profitable. But I also know that these are the moves that cause people on your roster to not be as loyal as they could be and to look to go elsewhere and to do things that may hurt you in the long run. Fuckery is what it is. And it's frustrating. Because it's a self-inflicted wound. I'm telling you, man, you are so lucky that the quote-unquote alternative can't get their act together when it comes to diversity and inclusion. If they ever do, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in big trouble. Because if you're doing this type of stuff, I don't know, man. And 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 here's the, here's the problem. They piled on to that piece of crap with what they did with Bobby Lashley and and Goldberg. Bobby Lashley should have defeated Goldberg and it should have been clean. It should have been decisive. There shouldn't have been any problems there. Instead, we have MVP who attacks Goldberg when the ref's not looking, which is just ridiculous. He hits him with a cane and Goldberg is so ridiculous. He doesn't even respond to it. And like it was a delayed reaction. I don't even understand it. I wonder if Goldberg was going into business for himself in that moment, but that's another story. Then we we got a referee stoppage. (laughs) Bobby should have defeated Goldberg. He should have pinned him. One, two, three. We should have known beyond a shadow of a doubt that Bobby Lashley has 
upended Goldberg. He has proven that he is superior to him in the ring today. I don't understand why we couldn't get that win. And then you have Goldberg's kid get in the ring and Bobby's roughing him up a little bit. And then the kid doesn't sell. Like, come on, Bill, you can't teach your kid how to sell. It's not rocket science. And I know he's a kid, but he's got to smarten up. If he's not, get out of the ring. Don't come in the ring if you're not going to sell. It's ridiculous. Why are we protecting Goldberg? He's, he's a legend. He's in the Hall of Fame. There's nothing to protect. Goldberg could lose every match for the rest of his, his damn life, <laughs> and it wouldn't hurt his legacy. His legacy is cemented. But if Bobby Lashley would have destroyed Goldberg, then Bobby Lashley, in my opinion, is in the Hall of Fame talk after that. I think you can justify putting Bobby Lashley in the Hall of Fame if he would have dominated Goldberg at SummerSlam on the big stage. So the fact that you did what you did to Bianca and then you turned around with this garbage with, with, with Goldberg and, and, and Lashley, I mean, it just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know who booked that crap, but I'm telling you right now, I was so disappointed because that was a good card and it was entertaining and I was dialed in, baby. I had my Stone Cold Steve Austin beer. I, I was sitting there. I was loving life. I went out and bought some Bonchon. You folks know Bonchon? I know not everybody knows. it. It's those Korean uh, fried chicken wings. I got the chicken wings. I got the legs. I got the family meals, like 40 bucks. They have this, this delicious uh, fried rice that has sesame seeds. And it has cucumber and all kind of other vegetables. Best fried rice I've ever had in my life. It's amazing. Amazing. Like, I was dialed in, man. I was all about SummerSlam. I had the food. I had the drinks. I had the snacks. My bodyguard was giving me my room to just be ridiculous. Like, I was, I was dialed in, man. And those two instances right there just really put a damper on otherwise a good time. Every time you take leaps ahead, you mess it up, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And at the end of the day, you, you, you prove to us that regardless of all the leaps and bounds and, and, and the things that you do right, you're still just the same old white guy that doesn't get it. You just don't get it. You have these wonderful stars, this diverse cast of stars that you can do so much with. And yet you find ways to discredit them. People are bringing up what happened to Kofi Kingston, and they're right. When Brock Lesnar destroyed Kofi in a matter of seconds, Kofi never got any get back. It's not like he and Lesnar had a feud after that. It's not like he got another. He didn't get another title shot until recently when Bobby Lashley gave him one. It's crazy. And let me tell you something. WWE has done a great job recently of focusing on diversity and inclusion. They're building up all these different stars. They seem to find black male singles wrestlers all over the place. And as soon as they get these folks, they put them out there, put them on TV, present them as stars and get them over. Something that most other companies fail at. Right. It's what they do. I'm looking at this Carmelo Hayes, who's a, who's a Massachusetts guy. Shout out to Carmelo. He just won the breakout tournament. He, he defeated Odyssey Jones. Those are two black young men 
who were put on the on the on the big stage on television and they got it done. Congratulations to those brothers, man. They both won. Even though, you know, Carmelo was the winner of the tournament, they both won. They both got over. I loved it. It reminded me of uh jeez. Kyrie Sane when she and Shayna Baszler were at it in that women's tournament, which was great. You know? So I just, I don't know. I, I'm a little little sour on WWE right now with this stuff. I think that it was just going backwards. I don't think the people who booked things up to this point are the people who made those decisions. And that's the, that's the hardest part about this. It just seems like somebody came in and just messed it all up. And that, that's just, it's consistent. And it's unfortunate that that's the way it is. And what's crazy is now that you get your crowds coming back, suddenly you don't need the people of color anymore. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let's not forget, I I was calling WWE out left and right. I had the fire on them. The pressure on their neck. Right? This is before AEW existed. Right? You're lucky that AEW is around now and they do such a piss poor job when it comes to equitable diversity. But you're not out of the woods, WWE, because you're still the big fish. You're still the whale. And don't think for one second I won't dedicate each and every episode to calling you out on your BS, because let me tell you something. I told you from the very beginning. When you do right, I'm going to call it out. And when you do wrong, I'm going to call it out. That's the way it is. There are a lot of humanoids out there who want to act like I'm making excuses or I ignore or I'm not giving WWE the business. I was giving WWE the business. Jesus, look at Google it. <laughs> Damn, there every every article written about Duke Loves Wrestling from all your favorite wrestling websites included information about WWE and their problem when it comes to racism and sexism and CTE and all these other issues. That's well-defined, well-documented, but they've improved, which is why my attention was focused elsewhere on these issues. But damn it, let me tell you, they're not out of the woods. And I'm not going to talk about AEW in any kind of detail in this episode. I'm going to let that breathe. This is WWE's time to come to the woodshed and get some discipline. Because you're full of crap. And I'm talking to you in particular, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Damn your birthday. You're full of crap. Every time you take leaps ahead, you do something to mess it up. So consider yourself put back on notice. If you're going to turn this into some kind of white supremacy uh, viewing like it, like it used to be, because we know that, that deep down inside, that has been your M.O. We know that the reason why things have changed is because of that little, little girl of yours, your daughter, Stephanie. Because she's a hell of a lot more progressive and she's a hell of a lot more dedicated to change, which is in line with the generation. We know, Vince, that you're stuck in a time that's backwards and screwed up. We know this. I'm talking to you directly, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. We know this. We know that you are absolutely 100% the reason why WWE is successful for the most part, but you're also the reason why it's not as successful as it could be because you're in the way more often than not 
because you don't know how to allow people to spread their wings and add something to the table that's meaningful and that will work and that is sustainable. You want to come in with your minions and mess it all up because at the end of the day, you can't have anybody outshining you folks, right? It's disgraceful. So make no mistake about it. I'm on you, baby. I'm on you. You can catch it every week. Call you out every week. And you remember what happened last time. We had the whole Internet on you on that. Right. You had to change (laughs) because you had Congress saying that they were going to start investigating you again. Don't go backwards now. You see what we're doing over there to, to, to Tony and his brain trust. Don't go backwards now. Don't put yourself in a position where you're back where they are. Because the 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 complete and utter hell that that company's about to go through. It ain't going to be pretty. And Vince, I need you to have a front row seat. I want you to see what we do to AEW. Because they have proven themselves to be against it equitable diversity and inclusion. I want you to see what's going to happen to that company in the next coming weeks. I want you to see the heat that they're going to be feeling. I want you to see their lives are about to get very difficult because it's unacceptable what they're doing. Don't put yourself in a position where that's you again because it's not going to help your bottom line. And as volatile as this market is today, we will crash that stock. Make no mistake about it. We'll crash it. Blow it out of the water. We're not going to sit here and go backwards in 2021. I want to use you as the model for what everybody should be doing as it relates to this stuff. So don't be sitting there and burying your black and brown talent and burying your women the way that you did over this past weekend. Don't do it. You'll, be, you'll have to answer to it. If you keep it up. And that's not me making threats, baby. I stand firm on what I say. And you know this already. You know this already. That's why some of your folks in that company talk to me behind the scenes and, and, and try to get me to ease up on certain things. How many years did that happen? Don't make me name names. Don't make me start showing screenshots and call logs. Vince, Vince and Kenny McMahon, I'm talking to you right now. This is the Duke. Don't make me go there, bro. All these little humanoids out there who think that you get in the past. Don't make me go there, bro. I'll do it. Tank that entire stock because you guys ain't doing the right thing. Don't go backwards. Take your old ass over to the corner and enjoy your life and let these young folks show you how it's done. Okay? Don't mess this up. This is your final promise. If we go down the wrong road, you know what's coming. Shut the whole thing down. Got me all worked up. You know, I don't like to talk like this. Damn. Got me all worked up. They messed up the whole damn weekend with that crap. And it was a fun weekend, but they messed it up, man. Pissed me off. Got me cussing and stuff on my show. You know, listen, I I got sponsors and stuff, man. I can't be cussing like that. I'm sorry, Zencaster. 
shout out to my my, my folks at Zencaster. You know, they, they are the number one program when it comes to top-notch studio quality audio recording, video recording. It's the best. It is the best. I encourage everybody. Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. Go to Zencaster.com. It's what I use. It's what I put the Duke Loves Wrestling stamp of approval on. It's the best of the best. Check it out. Zencaster. That's right. But I'm sorry, Zencaster. I had I had to let Vince know. You know, Vince and Kenny McMahon, we have a love-hate relationship. He's my good friend. But, you know, friends, family, when they mess up, you got to call them out. And you can't let up on them. You kind of have to you kind of have to discipline them harder than you would somebody who's not part of the family. Right. So that's the way it goes. And it's funny again, and I, I keep bringing this up, but you humanoids out there, you think I give WWE a pass. And it's like, go Google it. <laughs> the complete opposite is the truth. WWE knows who I am. They know what I'm about. That's why we we've we've butted heads on on a level that you will never understand. Amazing stuff, things that we were supposed to do together that got pulled off of the table because of me calling them out on this platform. So that's why I, I can never respect anybody who doesn't have the decency to do their research before they claim that I give WWE a pass. I have kept my size 13 up their rear end for years, which is a very small part of the reason why they have changed. But they're reverting back to their old ways because they got comfortable for a second. So I got to remind them who the F I am and what the F is going on here and what the F will happen if they don't cut that crap out. And we're not going to get the F out. We're going to bring the F back. <sighs> got me worked up. You're gonna, listen, you're going to make my light bill go up with all this. Remember the old folks say that <laughs> everything would make the light bill go up, right? Damn it, Vince, you're going to make my light bill go up. It's already over 90 degrees today. I don't need this. I don't need this today, Vince. And for all you humanoids out there that want to make excuses, go to hell. You don't take a, a, a superstar like Bianca Belair and you beat her in two moves. It's ridiculous. She deserved a match, a real match. She deserved to lose gracefully. So she can continue to fight another day instead of looking like she's weak, like the company has lost faith in her. That's what it that's what that looked like. And what's ironic is I don't see you treating Roman Reigns the way you're treating Bobby Lashley. Roman gets decisive victories. Why is Lashley getting these these tomfoolery victories? Woof. You about to get that heat, baby. I'm gonna shut the whole joint down. Keep it up. Keep it up. You know, the the, the, the the NASDAQ is down 51.32 as I'm looking at it right now. S&P 18.45 down. Everything is down, right? Concerned about what's going on in Afghanistan, which ironically, war equals more money. So you can expect the stocks to rebound next week. That's an inside scoop. But WWE, look at this, the Dow 137.87 down. My goodness. WWE, you can't afford it, baby. Don't make me start talking about the way you're treating certain people over there. Huh? Don't make me start start asking if, if women are being paid equally to the men. Don't do it. I'll do it. I digress. All right. I'll take a quick time out. And when I come back, one of the top graphic designers in all of pro wrestling, really, really good guy. This is such a... 
incredible conversation. And in fact, I'm going to leave. I'm going to end the show with this. We're just going to go straight to the to the end after this. But when we come back, my man, Mr. Mark DeGrucci. That's right. I'm Harry Burkett, senior writer with Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I'm Kevin McElbaney, editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Duke, Duke Loves, Loves Wrestling. Wrestling. You know, I, I'll tell you right now, it's not every day that I'm fortunate enough to speak to somebody who... I can honestly say is a genius. I mean, like literally. Now, listen, folks, I have been in the room with, with some of the, the top world leaders of the past 25 years. Presidents, prime ministers, kings, queens, uh, speakers of the house, uh, you know, state, municipal, federal elected officials, you name it. And, and the people who work with them who are really pulling the strings. I've been in the room. I've been in the room. I've, I've helped give my opinion that may have led to assisting with some decision-making. I'm not going to try to make myself out to be bigger than I am because that by far, that's not the truth, but I've been around some interesting people throughout my life and I've interacted with a lot of interesting people, but I can honestly say that our featured guest this week, he, he blows a lot of people away that I've ever known. Um, this is going to be a different type of conversation. So strap yourselves in, folks, because this this is going to be a hell of a ride. And yes, he is connected with the pro wrestling industry. He is in the industry on the outside. Um, He has a very he has a very unique place in wrestling that is well respected. And and I think you're really going to enjoy this. So without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. My man, Mr. Mark DeGrucci. What's going on there, Mark? Hey, how's it going, Duke? It's going very well. It's going very well. Listen, let's just start right to the heart of things, because I know that people listening right now are going to be like, what the hell? What is your main connection with pro wrestling right now? Why why are you a guy that is so well known by pro wrestlers and and, and people who are pretty big names that, that a lot of the listeners have, have not only heard, but get to watch on TV from time to time? What is your connection? So I primarily do a lot of graphic design in general for a lot of people. I have been very fortunate enough to work for uh, FTR when they were in WWE. Um, I've done stuff for Ray Rowe, who is now um, Eric from the Viking Raiders. Um, I've done stuff for uh, Darby Allen, um, King Eddie Kingston. Um, oh, fucking MSK, Magnum TA, Ace Austin, Billy Gunn, uh, D'Lo Brown, Kurt Angle. Oh, uh, who's who? I mean, if you just took all those names, you could start your own wrestling promotion with these folks and, and make some money for sure. <laughs> so so why is that, Mark? Why why are so many of these top names in the pro wrestling industry seeking you out and 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 working with you in, in terms of graphic design? Well, I was thinking about this earlier, and not in like an egotistical way, but in the most logical way possible. And to curtail this to wrestling, you know, and, I don't, I'm not saying anybody can wrestle, but there's a lot of people out there who happen to wrestle. Why are people working with you? Why are people working with me in the art capacity? 
I believe people are working with me because my rates are reasonable, I'm easygoing, and I complete work. And I believe that goes along the edges of everything. I do think I do good work just to like be clear on that aspect and not to sound egotistical. I try my hardest. I always try to expand and try to grow. But, you know, I think easy to work with, getting things done and reasonable rates are why I've been fortunate enough to get the clients that I've gotten. What's the best compliment that you've received um, regarding your work? You know, when you, you did a you did a piece, and then somebody said something to you that really stuck. If if you could if you could recall, what's the best compliment you've gotten on your work? To me, the best compliments that I have taken from people are when people post pictures of them with printed work, and here's why. You know, people say things all day. You know, we we talked off air, you know, about loosely about politics. Politicians say things. Salespeople say things. They don't particularly mean it, but you can tell what people mean by their actions. So, literally, whenever I see, for example, I signed on Instagram one day, I saw Kurt Angle holding the doll that I drew for him, like the physical doll, and it's like, fuck, like this man co-signed this, like the the work enough to put his face alongside of it because he could easily have taken the physical doll, thrown the picture of the physical doll or the drawing online and be like, yo, buy it. But the fact that he was so ecstatic to show the, his audience, the likeness, the similarities between them to me, I was like, that's a compliment, you know, cause his face is on there. Or like when Billy Gunn, um, we did a doll for him. And the doll exists, but long story short, he's not able to release it because of AEW's um, agreement that was developing at the time for their dolls. But he sent pictures, like he voluntarily sent them. He's like, hey, I can't sell them, but here's pictures, you know, so you could enjoy this with me. Like stuff like that is like super cool to me. Not a doll. You're talking action figures, right? So I'm talking about dolls. So essentially, um, a few years back, some guy approached me, um, fuck, uh, Danny Vegas from Viva Los Amish, approached me about designing his tag team, um, Wrestle Buddies, like the WWF style ones from the 80s. And I said yes, because I say yes to everybody. As long as they're willing to pay, I'm willing to make it. And um, I made three dolls for them, and essentially they sold out uh, for them. The second team got them done, the Ugly Ducklings, they sold out for them as well. So at that point, he wanted to make a small company that produced Wrestle Buddies. Like, uh, it's called Slam Buddies, but it's um, like pillow versions of characters. And they're roughly... I don't know, about a foot and a half, maybe uh, long, maybe about 10 inches wide, but they're stuffed. I mean, it's it's nice material. Like I have my own. He made, I, if I drew one, he made it for me and he, I have it in front of me, obviously. And uh, yeah, that's, so that's what I'm referring to. Um, I don't think I've done any action figures, uh, but I'm willing to. <laughs> that is really interesting. So you are referring to dolls, like you said, the, in the style of the wrestling, wrestling buddies, you know, things that, People like myself grew up with. They were huge in the 80s and, and early 90s. That is fascinating. 
That is really, really fascinating. Now, Mark, you, in addition to what you do in the wrestling industry, you actually work in another industry that is at the cutting edge of, of anything revolutionary. I mean, literally, when we talk about e-commerce, for example, this is an industry that led the charge in that. It's the, and a lot of people don't realize this. The, the, the reason why it's so easy to pay with credit cards and PayPal and all this other stuff, this other industry is the reason why that stuff exists today because that was the, the, the proving grounds. That's where everything was tested because there's always such a, a wide variety of customers. What other industry am I talking about that you that you do a lot of primary work in? So I do a lot of media marketing for a chain of adult stores in uh, the Charlotte area. When you say do a lot of media marketing, what, what kind of marketing are we talking about here? So I do some package designing, uh, very loose. I do like a lot of ad campaigns, uh, mailing lists, um, customer interaction. To, to, and I work in the stores occasionally. It's just whenever I feel like it or if somebody needs additional training, uh, I do that. Um, So I happen to have this basic retail job prior to going to college and they bent over backwards for my college, like for me to go to school, I could pick up, drop off, like bent over backwards, literally for me to do that. So I have stayed with them Uh, and they support my graphic design stuff. So yeah, I've been doing that with that company for a, a shit coming up on 10 years in two days. Uh, was it August 14th, 2011? I think is when I started there. Fascinating. Fascinating. So, so let me get this straight because I, I do have a uh, retail background as well. Um, you know, I've managed a flagship store before, so I, I get not only the design concept but are you doing like floor sets and things like that are you are you involved in that process as well in in terms of not just the graphics but where the graphics go in the stores um not essentially so the since the since the chain is so uh personal like it's kind of it's not like a mom and pop but essentially it kind of ran it's kind of ran like one um, we try to tailor things differently towards each store, such as like the merchandise. But as far as like the specificity of where everything's laid out in the store, um, everything's just laid based on like North Carolina laws because you can't have anything that uh, looks like an adult product by a window. So, you know, aside from that, it's just feng shui kind of vibes, you know? So, so you got to tell me, man, I, I mean, Jesus Christ. What's the best part about working within the adult entertainment industry? I mean, I know you're doing it from the retail side, but what's the best part of that? Um, you know, I, I I enjoy being there. Like, it doesn't feel like work. Like, I love graphic design, and I never feel like I'm working when I'm doing graphic design. And that's just an extension of it, like being at the physical store. So like I'll be there later on today. I agreed to pick up shifts tonight for some girl to go on vacation. And uh, you know, I'm gonna sit there, listen to maybe a little bit of death metal <laughs> or uh just like nineties rap, which is I've been listening to a lot lately, and uh shoot the shit with some people who come in and try to make some people happy with whatever they're buying or looking for. 
That is really, really interesting. So again, you're doing graphic design for pro wrestlers, which every wrestler is their own walking, talking business. You know what I mean? So, so when you're helping them out with their design work, which translates into them being able to sell merchandise and really put food on the table, whether they're taking bumps or not. I mean, that's, that's very important. But then you also have this deal with an adult store where you're doing graphic design work, you're, you're picking up shifts, you're, you're, you're really helping them out in that regard as well. I mean, these two worlds, they're very connected to each other because at the end of the day, we're talking about entertainment. Um, really, really interesting. So I, I, I got to ask you, Mark, because clearly you are a very good artist. When did you realize you could monetize your ability to to create stuff that people could could sell in their own right as well. When did you realize you could make some money off of your your unique ability here? Uh, when people kept paying for it. <laughs> um, so I, I used to be in like uh, death metal bands. I was in a, a few death metal bands on some smaller labels with like national distribution. Um, a band called Labyrinth. We were on Tribunal Records. Tribunal um, had a band called Kill Whitney Dead, which was like their flagship band. They also had Prayer for Cleansing, which was like the precursor to a band called Between the Buried and Me, who's like a modern dream theater kind of deal. And I was on another label called Comatose, and Comatose is like a, a brutal death metal label. So like kind of like Cannibal Corpse mixed with like a little bit of new metal, essentially, is what the label um marketed toward so when i was in these bands and we toured i refused to pay for things that i could do it just didn't seem economically feasible if i could make a flyer for a show to pay then pay somebody else x amount of dollars to make it if i could make a shirt design that was within my wheelhouse why would i pay somebody else to do it like stuff like that so you know i always did that and eventually I networked into bands and there was like a few local bands that I constantly did stuff for um, because just because I knew them. And one of them, which I'll mention a band called filth from uh, outside of Charlotte were like, Hey man, we really like your stuff. We're just going to pay you for it. Like, is that cool? They were the first people to ever like, yo, straight up, here's some fucking money. Just take the money. And I actually literally just finished a design for them yesterday. So I've been working with them for a, a hot minute. And from there, it kind of branched off into wrestling because I go to a lot of local wrestling events. Like I'm, I'm probably going to go to PWX on uh, Sunday, um, the premier wrestling uh, experience in Charlotte. And, um, you know, so those guys, we're all friends of social media. If one of them asked me to do it and it just kind of, networked from there so you know always try to charge the people fairly for the work and not try to price gouge because that's you know, that's just shitty to do to people and it just kind of took over uh, over time talk to me about the pandemic i mean a lot of industry had to pivot you know they had to some industry went away others thrived Others, you know, they're, they're doing what they, they can, living paycheck to paycheck, so to speak. How was your business affected by the pandemic? Did you did you lose business? Did you gain business? Did you stay the same? And how's it been since then? 
I have very much thrived during the pandemic. And I, I don't feel good saying that because I know a lot of people um, did not experience the same uh, blessings that I did. But so before the pandemic, and keep in mind, I was in college up until um, December of 2019. I graduated with my master's then. So the pandemic, let's say it kicked in around March or April of 2020. So I only really had four like straight up months. But, um, you know, it my turnaround time became up to like eight weeks to where I was booked out eight weeks throughout the pandemic. And like I was, and I do art every day, just to be clear on that. Like I do it from the moment I wake up, I'll take like a two hour break to go to the gym or go biking, come back, do more literally until I fall asleep. And uh, so like I've been doing very well with it, essentially. That's just what it's done for me. And opinion wise, and this is always like, this is just a weird topic to talk about because of how many people were displaced. But I feel for people who were not displaced or people who were, I don't know, um, it gave a lot of people a re reexamination of priorities and things in their life. You know, within wrestling, I'm speaking about specifically at this point, you could see people reevaluate themselves, their bodies, their characters, and are now um, implementing these new thoughts in their current personas. And to me, that's very fascinating. Just like you see like, entities um, within society um, adapt to forcing people to go back to their physical jobs as opposed to working at home. I forgot the question, so I do apologize. Oh, yeah, how has this affected me? For me, it's gave me an additional reevaluation because I, even though I was booked out um, for graphic designs, like throughout college, I was booked about four four weeks maybe. But afterwards, it got up to eight. Um, I convinced myself when I had my master's, I should go for job interviews um, because I thought they would feed into the larger goal. And my larger goal is to get a doctoral opportunity, an opportunity to learn at a doctoral level. But a lot of places were not paying that well. And when I mean that well, I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm making bank over here. I work my ass off, like straight up. And I'm lucky to make the money that I do make. But places that require degrees were paying so little and required me to drive 30, 40 minutes. It did not make any sense. And it helped me reevaluate it, reevaluate what I want to do with my immediate future and my long-term future. And I'm sure that it panned itself out like that for other people as well. You know, you see it now with like, um, people having issues with like hiring people or re retaining employees because the working wages or the working conditions aren't that good, you know. So I'm trying not to tail off a little bit too far, but that's what, <laughs> that's generally what's up. <laughs> Just again, fascinating, Re really, really fascinating. You talked about a um, going into a PhD program. What specifically are you looking for? What area of study would you like to become a doctor in? So in general, I care about socioeconomics. Um, I have a essentially like a um, an interdisciplinary socioeconomical degree. It's a master's in quote unquote graduate studies. So what that generally means is I'm doing research 
um, but it's all like theoretical and philosophical-based research. But I'm also producing additional components. I went into this program because at the time, and it's still currently, I do a lot of graphic design-based stuff. And it just made sense for me to intertwine this. I did not know this at the time, but I had been, I now more recently started doing a lot of audiobooks and physical books. And there's a guy I like named Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy is like a, uh, an investment, like self-help, motivational kind of person, whatever. And he always mentions something like, if people pay you to do something, you keep fueling that. And to tail back to the, the graduate stuff, you know, graphic design was working out well. My studies were working out well. You know, why should I not fuse these two together? Because if they're both fueling themselves independently, cohesively, they'll probably go a little bit further. Plus, it's something that I can offer people that other people cannot offer. You know, just judging based on the people in my uh, my graduate class, there was, for example, 20 people, and I'm the only person who does art. You know, I, that's already something that differentiates me from these people and something that people are going to need to come to me for in, in, independently. So whether or not I could get into a program based upon my educational credentials alone, I could at least piggyback off of their opportunities through networking. And I still found that to be like a beneficial thing to lean towards. To tailor back to the initial question, which is what I want to go to a doctorals for, I would like to go to a doctorals in American studies. I care about a lot what happens within this country in general because it's the country that I reside in. You know, a lot of stuff on the world level um, does affect us, but just like we affect them, only incremental stuff transposes over. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, we have relationships like Japan, China, Russia, um, UK, Africa, Mexico, stuff like that. But not all of their culture is coming over. Not all of their information is coming over, just like vice versa. But within America, I care about like social inequalities, particularly like relationships with food and um, like income inequalities and stuff like that. I mean, th- of course, there's stuff with like racial and uh, gender um, discrimination, but that's difficult for me to speak on. But I can talk about economic inequalities because I have experienced those. I can talk about food inequalities because that is something that I experience currently um, based on my geographic location within the city, uh, based on my economic background uh, growing up through adulthood. And it's a general interest of mine. You know, I work out almost every day. Like I go running, biking, yoga, go to the gym. And, um, you know, food works with our bodies in interesting ways, but food can also hurt our bodies in the same interesting ways. So I just want to curtail into that and expand it into the graphic design sector because I feel like a lot of graduate or like higher higher capacity information um, is somewhat discriminatory in the sense that it is written in a very elite manner that is meant to turn people away when it doesn't make sense to me why people are researching shit for like six fucking months to write a paper that no one's going to read. You know, if you want to work with marketability, you, you make the best product in the most accessible manner you can, you know, that way you ensure that it gets out there. So, yeah. (laughs) Fascinating, fascinating completely. And I hear you about the food inequality. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, 
I've done extensive work regarding food deserts, you know, literally pockets of, of major cities that do not have access to fresh um, top of the line foods, you know, or, or, or even a, a grocery store that would be considered a, a, a well-stocked high-end grocery store like a, a Whole Foods or, or Trader Joe's even. Um, so I get what you mean. I've even done work around urban farming and and clean soil. So where, where is the food that we eat? Where, what, what type of soil is it grown in? How safe is that soil? How often is it tested? I get it. I get it 100%, man. And I, and I think it's great that a guy like you is is focusing on issues related to that as well. I like the fact that you said that there are different types of inequality, but you're going to speak to the stuff that you know about personally. And I, I think that's really, really interesting because you're going to affect everything else in a positive manner, despite the fact that you're focusing on the stuff that you can speak to personally. So, I mean, when we talk about food inequality, ultimately that does come back to areas that are heavily populated with people of color and, 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 you know, women and, and things of that nature there. So you're, you're still going to affect change on all levels, even though you're focusing on the stuff that has impacted you the most. So mm -hmm. kudos to you for that. That's, that's pretty cool there. So for anyone listening right now who may be interested in checking you out or doing business with you from a graphic design standpoint, what can they expect from, from your quality of work? So I mentioned earlier that I believe people are paying for me to do it as opposed to my work. You know, what they can expect from me is I'm pretty straightforward. You know, I'm, I'm honest with people. So if you, know, you think it's going to take X amount of time, I'll let you know how long it really is going to take. Um, sometimes I can meet deadline just kind of depends, but I, I shoot straight because I want people to shoot straight with me. Cause like no one gives a fuck about, well, people care obviously about, you know, time parameters, but if you lie to people, people are going to be pissed off. And I'm not trying to lie to anybody cause that's some extra bullshit that I don't want to deal with. But, um, you know, they're going to expect frankness, a fair price and a good, decent work quality. I, I try my best on every piece, even if it's something I don't care for, still do it to the best of my abilities. Because you never know. Like you never know how that piece is going to pan out for you. So I try to be creative with everything. Um, some of the stuff is like more death metal based, and I do that with a partner named Dan. Um, some stuff is like more comic booky, and it's just like a lot of like tattoo infused culture because I like tattoos. Um, a lot of like some anime and comic book based stuff because I grew up on like Sailor Moon and like reading comics and stuff. So it's just like an amalgamation of all those things put together. You know, everybody's going to get a finished product. Like I, I'm not fucking anybody over because that's just, again shitty to do to people. But they'll get it. It'll be high quality. And if they ever need like a a reformatting or in a different format of some sort, I'll format it. Like I don't care. I'm not going to charge you more for it. I remember this is like a side note. I remember doing a design for Anthony Henry Asher Hale, who was in uh, 205 Alive, and. Like he doesn't know much about formatting. At least he didn't at the time. And he was telling me this business was like trying to charge him like 30, 40 bucks to reformat something. And I was like, dude, don't pay that bullshit. Like it takes you like two, three minutes at the most, like from start to finish to reformat it. Like they're fucking price gouging you for no reason. That's shitty, man. So yeah, 
it looks like the honest work. <laughs> well, tell everybody how 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 can they reach out to you to get some of that honest work? What's the best way that they can get in touch with MDG? So uh, you can hit me up on Facebook. Um, my Facebook is Mark D. Crucci or Land Mind Design. And I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. My Instagram and Twitter handles are when I escape. Um, I reply to every message, even if it's bullshit, I still reply to it because it might not be bullshit to somebody else. Who fucking knows, man? I always see everything through all the way out. And uh, yeah, you know, from there we figured out, typically ask for like ideas. If somebody has an idea, I ask for two to three visual references. But I feel visual references are very important. And to get everybody on the same page with like expectations, because like people can use like vague words or generalities and it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? You could say you want something awesome, but what is awesome? Like what does awesome look like? Or you can talk about physical stuff like pizza. What does pizza look like? Because you might be thinking uh, personal pan and I might be thinking deep dish, like two different things, you know? So I, I typically check all my social medias and get notifications to my phone. So you can hit me up on there. I'll write back. I'll shoot a quote. We'll make something happen. 100%. Well, listen, Mark, before I let you go, I got to ask you one very important question. This will be our last question here because you, you're, you're a food guy. You pay attention to your food. You know, you work out religiously there. When you want something indulgent, so I'm not talking about making sure you're eating the, the healthiest, cleanest stuff because I know that you do that all the time. But when you want to indulge in something, this is a treat. What is your go-to food, snack, drink, whatever it is? What is your indulgent uh, food-related stuff? So I really don't indulge in food. Uh, I just don't enjoy it like that. Um, like what I consider treats, you know, I, I like a, like I had a treat for lunch. Like I had a protein shake, Orgain, um, which is like a pea-based protein with almond milk. And I had two peanut butter covered bananas. And like to me, that's a treat. But like as far as like cakes and cookies, it's not really my thing. But yeah, I, I like a lot of peanut butter, essentially. <laughs> so are you a are you a peanut butter cookie guy? No, uh, no, I don't eat cookies. Um, just like I put peanut butter on bananas, I might have like a peanut butter sandwich. Like I consider that a treat. Like I very much enjoy that. His name is Mark DeGrucci. Like I said, this guy is a genius. I mean, you can hear what he's talking about and stuff that he chooses to emphasize within what he's talking about. High moral compass, high quality, high performing person. You definitely want to check him out, especially if you need graphic design work um, done. This is the man to speak to. And just so you know, he loves his peanut butter. Mark, thank you for being a guest on Duke Loves Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Loves Wrestling. You can head over to Facebook and Twitter, type in Duke Loves Wrestling. Let me know what you think of the show.